Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I could possibly lose like a sum of money and I don't feel anything. And in a way, that's not good. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's fine, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure where is that, you know, in regards to my whole narrative from young yeah. to now, yeah. And see, I think like when I listen to you with we, ourselves and each other's stories, one of the fundamental things about money narratives is naming it. Mm, okay. Because what they say is that what you bring to light will not have a foothold for you. And when we begin to name some of these experiences we have today, it gives us new opportunities. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chill with TFC, where we sit down with the geekiest and quirkiest minds to find out how they think about money and life. My name is Andrew and on today's episode, we have Audrey and Geraldine from Play Moolah, a homegrown startup dedicated to teaching kids and adults about how they can have a healthier relationship with the money. I'll be experiencing their money narrative exercise firsthand. So if you want to follow along, if it's convenient for you, you can grab a pen and paper and follow the exercise. That's right, we're going to do some drawing, some scribbling. It's an exercise to find out your own story about money. Or you can listen to the podcast first and then try it out on your own. Let's get started. Okay, let's welcome Audrey and Geraldine. Hi. Hi. Tell us about Play Mula. Yes. So Playmuller's mission is all about enabling money to be used as a tool for a flourishing life. So we work with organizations, with corporates, with universities, with families to enable this mission to come alive. Okay, so to find out a little bit about your money narrative, Mm -hmm. we are going to invite you to begin a journey into your subconscious all right, I feel like I'm getting my therapy <laughs> session today. <laughs> We've had a guest who said coming for the TFC podcast is like going for therapy. Now I'm the one <laughs> getting therapy from my guests, Geraldine, and of course, Audrey. Okay, all right. Yes. Geraldine, guide me. What okay. am I supposed to do? We are going to excavate our money narrative. Okay. And so we'll do it through an art activity. I feel super confronted already. <laughs> I'm not ready for it. Okay. Art activity. Okay, okay so, so my job now is to calm you down. Right, right, okay. So how do you feel about art activities? Did you like art in school? I don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's forget about art. Yeah. And I'll just invite you to make a mess. Okay. Okay. So okay. you use your non-master hand. So are right. you right-handed, left-handed? I'm right-handed. Okay. So, so I use my left invite hand. invite you to use your left hand. Okay. And just uh, draw symbols and whatever comes to your mind. Okay. That's okay. it. Okay. If you... Uh, does it have to be related to money or... Just... Yeah. I'll guide you now. Okay. I'll okay, guide so... me. Got it. <laughs> okay. Got it. Got it. So, but I want you to just like get your mind into this um, place where mm. you are going to doodle and it's going to be messy. Messy. All right. And symbolic. Okay, okay. Okay. We're not going for art. Art. art yes. <laughs> of course. Arty art. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. My so producer Ree has gotten all the colors in the world, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure if I can use all of them. But let's try. Let's see. Yeah. Okay. okay. So let's um look at your paper on landscape, and we're gonna divide the paper into half, so you can draw a line down the center. Okay. Mm, let me just 
Just me, just want me to divide into half, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. And then draw a large circle in the center. With my non-master hand already? You can, if you can do a circle. <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> large circle in the center. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in this the, is a practical center. part and you're just setting it up. Yeah. Okay, okay. all right. So now you can use your non-master hand. Okay, got it. On the left side, I'd like you to think about all the things that you remember about your early experiences with money. So, for example, oh. what have you heard about money as a child? From family side or okay. from school, uh, from your environment? What are your thoughts about money? I'll, I'll fill up the left side. Yes, just fill up the left side. As first. A, Not as, inside the circle, just outside the as circle. As a child, wow. Or do you get mental blocks from your clients? Yeah, so, yeah. so um, maybe think of one statement yeah. that you may have heard about money. What are your thoughts about money? Like somebody says something like, um, money is very important. It's the okay. most important thing. Some statements that you might have picked up. Okay. I'll just freestyle draw it. Yes, of course. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's hard with the normal master hand, but yeah. All right. Uh, any any other things to prompt me along when um, I was young? Huh? Think of some statements, uh, statements, like when you got your allowance, what other ideas that you have around your allowance. Mm. Okay. Any words jump into your mind? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm more, I realize I'm more words. Okay, like I yeah. want to express like stuck, but yes. I, I don't know what to draw to, to okay, represent sure. stuck. You, you yeah. can write. So Yeah, let, I'll let you write some words. Uh, write yeah. some words. <laughs> mm, what else? money, did you have thoughts about money? I, oh, it's pretty precious or I, I never think about it. What what comes? Mm. Your relationship with money, I, what? Take your time. Yeah. You have plenty of time. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm done. Okay. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Just before you end that part, mm. any statement about money that you remember? A statement. Any statements about money that I remember? I, I think in bits and pieces. I don't have yeah. a, a fully no, formed statement. Yes, whatever. Yeah. Bits and pieces, words or just impressions. Statements. Can they come from myself and not so much of other people telling me? Because I, I think I relate to money when I was growing up. Because I, I, I don't have earning capabilities when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's, it's not within your control. Yes. Yeah. That's yes. how I feel. I feel stuck. Uh, yeah. A lack not, of freedom. Not yeah. within my control, lack not of freedom. Within, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Th those are good phrases. Right, right, write write right. them down. Yeah. Go ahead and write them down. Yeah. Not. Yeah, so I'm very conceptual. Like, I don't know how to draw no control, yeah. but, but it's an immediate thing. Yeah. They want to put you it down. You can write as well. No okay, problem. Okay. All right, all right. Okay. And, uh, that, that, that's it. Mm -hmm. You said something about freedom? Yeah, freedom. Mm. No. I, I drew birds. <laughs> yeah. I think that's my freedom part. Yeah, and clouds and the, and the sun. Yeah. Okay. Maybe now I'll invite. Audrey to prompt you for ah, the next okay. one so relax you a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Perhaps um, you can ask yourself, mm -hmm. what were some of the feelings that were associated to money as you were growing up? When you thought about money, how, how did that make you feel? So I had the word stuck there. That, okay. This one. How, that, how does that make me feel? Yeah, I'm still, mainly I'm still stuck on stuck. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. How about when you heard from your parents or you heard from your grandparents or your siblings? Were there any particular things that came up for you? Watching maybe your parents kind of um, learn about money or use money? 
If you start to see scenes in your memory, you yeah. might want to draw one thing that represents that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So maybe you can represent it with a house, or you can represent it with your uh, wallet, or okay, okay, things that used to be bought that you you right. remember. Yeah. So okay. some of these images that may have jumped that uh, jumped okay. into your head. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm drawing them, and then okay. anything else. Okay, yeah, I have some more things on my paper on the left okay, side. Cool. Okay, now we move on to the right side. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> okay. still no master hand. Yes. Okay. Yes. If you if if you like, you can switch back, but I encourage yeah, you to keep stay with it. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> okay, so now you um think about what you know today, like really, like today, what are your ideas about money or your relationship with money? Um, how would you? Describe your relationship with money right now. Okay. So I, maybe it gives you stress. Maybe it's relaxing. It's very hopeful. You're very excited by it. All these, uh, you can represent it with a symbol. <laughs> yeah, have fun. Yeah. It can be your own symbols. Only you need to understand what it is. Okay. It's not okay. for us to look at. Yeah. Actually, I don't understand. But <laughs> 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 okay. Uh, now, any what else? Um, now, now, what I think about money now. Yeah, what you think about it, what are your emotions around money? Is it something that uh, you think about all day or only when you're relaxing or when you're working? Yeah, and maybe even like the beliefs, right? Yeah. What are some of the beliefs that surround money today for you? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, I'm done with this part. Yeah. Okay, great. So we take a step back. Yeah. And you can put on your pen now mm-hmm. and you can look at your drawing. And as you look at it, is there something that you would say really stands out for you? Like what in all that mess really is popping out at you? Say, oh, very interesting. I think the the fact that I keep going back to to stuck and mm. I can't get out of that, like stuck and stuck, mm. that that is something for me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So in our process, we will allow you your personal time and we encourage you to take the time to think through that a okay. little bit more okay. and maybe ask yourself a series of questions mm-hmm. like uh, what is the first time like when you had to manage money mm-hmm. so that might be the first time that I was spoken to about money or the first time I was given angpao money or first time I was given my allowance in primary school mm. or so on okay. and then ask yourself more questions like how do I feel? What does stuck mm. feel like? Okay. And when do I feel this emotion? Okay. So is it when I'm standing in front of a big ticket item and mm. I'm trying to make a decision or when I look at my bank account or do I look at my earnings or is it when I am um, trying to decide what to eat? Do I have a budget in my mind and I always feel like, oh, you know, it's, it's the budget is making me feel stuck. I mean, I, I have no idea. It could okay. be anything under the sun. And for every person, something will be revealed right, and right. something for us to investigate. Okay. Yeah, and, okay. and it's not... I mean, it can be a big thing. It can be a small thing. It's not something that would stress us, should mm. not stress us. Mm-hmm. But it's just something for us to take note of and investigate a little further. Right, right. So this activity is very exciting because 
we always uncover something. Yeah. So I don't know whether anything has come up for you yet, Andrew, when we say stuck oh, there, There's money. a million things as yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. You're explaining you it to you me. Don't, you don't, I don't know where it. to start. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can share some of it so that it makes sense to the yes, listeners yes, and yes. the audience watching this. Um, I, I, okay, I'll, I'll try to be concise. So if I were to interpret stuck, it will be when you're growing up, you, you, you come earn money because you're just a kid and you're just getting allowance from your parents. So... Uh, my parents are great savers, but I don't really feel a lack of money in the household. Mm-hmm. But it's more of like you, you have to get money from, well, my mom specifically because she, she gives you the money. And, and so when you have to do certain activities in, in school and like you, you have to go to her. So I feel that the lack of control yeah. re- regarding that. And I, okay, I'll just give a particular memory that memory that I have, which is I, I, I like watching theatrical productions, mm-hmm. theatre shows, dramas. And well, in, in order to watch them as a kid, uh, each ticket will be at least 20 plus dollars at least, even for a student price. So you don't have to ask your mom for it. And your mom will be like, you know, um, you, you know, why are you watching this show and all that? Mm-hmm. And in my mind, it's like, it's, it's not as if I'm doing something bad. Or I, I think watching a theatre theater show is pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a healthy activity for a, a student. Mm-hmm. And so I feel that, that struggle whenever I have to ask more money to do something that I like. Yeah, so so that's the childhood memory part. If I were to look at what I what I have now, uh, I'm not sure if the feeling of, of stuckness is still remains in my life. Like for example, yeah, you're talking about bank accounts and all that. Like you want to do something and then you have to look at how much resources you have. So I'm not sure if that, that flows through in terms yeah, of the, the do, feelings. Do you yeah. think the feeling is similar? Do you still experience the same stuck today? remnants of it or something similar yeah possibly um could be stuck in a, a situation uh, could be your career your job you know because mm. that, that pays you the money and yeah and you're wondering if you try something else what might happen things like that so so those are possible interpretations of it yeah, yeah. so very interesting thing you just brought up right is that sometimes the money will mm. be a very important element in our decision making about jobs yes yes right i mean that's a very practical way of looking at it Mm-mm. but if we look at it in a different perspective and really looking at who you are and your interests your passions and uh, what you are aligned to first and then you might find a job that you are happy with and yeah. you flourish in and because of that you excel in it mm-hmm. it might also have an impact on your finances okay. so it's, I guess, a different way of looking at it, a different perspective, possibly. So this exercise opens up possibilities and maybe in the process brought up some memories for you and maybe these memories can give us some clues into the money behaviours that we have today. Right, I think this is yeah. good. <laughs> no, because <laughs> money money is so interconnected with so many things in, yes, in life itself. Yes. It's not just money, but your, the, your hobbies, your, your work, like you mentioned, family, things that you do. Yeah, then the feeling of stuckness as a theme could could be prevalent in, in yes. other areas of my life and yeah. something they have to figure it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I'm going to journal and all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should. You yeah. should. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to take like a... You need a break. <laughs> we would have like a community group. There'll be some mm-hmm. warm-ups, make people feel comfortable right. before this. And then after that, it's mm. actually this part is all a personal reflection. You look yeah. at your own questions, you yeah. a- analyze on your own so you don't have to reveal so much that, mm. you know, makes people feel uncomfortable. And you've been so brave and you're just like <laughs> being so open, right? Mm. Yeah. So you might want to, yeah, if you want to tell uh, your personal story, you might want to think about it and then mm. re-reject that because 
you're kind of raw now and I'm sorry about that. Um, that that's okay. I can understand. Yeah. <laughs> I was, yeah. when you were doing it, I was like thinking, I should have done it with you, you know? Yeah, like together <laughs> have a alone. partner. Oh, like, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Because we usually do it together as a group. So yes. everyone does it. Mm. So we don't feel like we're looking into someone's story, but we're yeah. actually sharing yeah. and, and relating with And when we do share, it's like a couple of minutes after you've done it, you've reflected, you've gone for your coffee break, come back and you yeah. can choose what you want mm. to share yeah. okay. when you're a little okay. <laughs> so You've been very really authentic, been very brave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to I really do it. <laughs> yeah. So no, I, I understand. I've been through a, a similar processes okay, you know, in which you yeah. have to like, you know, uncover, unearth, uh, yeah. you know, certain things within Excavate, yourself. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, make it meaningful as well. So I, but I, I think it's very hard to, you know, penetrate. Yes. If go deeper into yourself, I think that's the hard part for me. Yeah. Yeah. You have to like. So, a lot actually, of this you have already gone very deep. Yeah. And, very and a lot of things are there that if you take your time together with some guided questions, I think you might, might come to some um, old truth, mm. and might realize some of the things could have been influencing you. Mm. Yeah. And um, maybe today you have dropped some of them. Definitely. And yeah. you have designed new ones. Yeah. So realizing what you have dropped, what you have redesigned is very important also, so that you can continue designing more intentionally what you really want mm. for your money narrative. Yeah. So this money narrative is like the story of your life. And well, I have read some other articles online about money narratives, right? I mean, they give they always give the example of uh, what your parents telling you money is not important, right? So so when you were prompting me, oh, what what statements did, can you think of, right? Yeah. I mean, I thought of that, but that wasn't true to me. Mm. That wasn't true to me personally. Like, yes. no, nobody told me money is not important yeah. or, or, or money doesn't grow on trees. You know, you read all these books, they always <laughs> give you these examples, but no, I don't remember what is growing up. Yeah, yeah. So I guess you really have to like take away all these statements that have been implanted in you. Mm-hmm. That, but it doesn't belong to you and, and look at your own truth. So for, for me, although I can't phrase it, but yeah, the, the theme of being stuck stood out to me. And so that wasn't something that I could get from reading all these books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Because it's personal. Yeah, it's very personal. It's personal. Exactly. Yeah. So once you discover this personal um, block or mm. personal insight, what happens next, mm. right? That's the big thing. And Audrey will talk more about that. But yeah, it's it, that's what we do. Get together do it together and then talk about the next steps. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I'm raw and open right now. Yeah. <laughs> Audrey, you can take it in any direction. <laughs> so she asked you about emotions, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's, that um, gives us a lot of clues. So maybe we can talk a little bit more about the emotions that come up. Okay. okay. So when, when we are dealing with money, emotions can sometimes be very overwhelming. So she will give some tips about handling and regulating emotions. Okay. Yeah. So perhaps you can set the stage a little bit, you know, tell us about yourselves, sure. the work that you do at Playmola. Well, I'm very curious about her also. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> what what her, her art? Yeah. Yeah. You could add in an epilogue <laughs> of what you, what you drew. Yeah. Okay, 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 so that's our producer, Ri. And she... So well, make sure none of this makes it into the final cut. Oh yeah, she has final say <laughs> over what goes into the final cut. So we'll, we'll see if you hear this part. <laughs> yeah, no, so uh, yeah, I was just sharing that I think my money narrative was surprisingly more positive than I thought it uh, would have been that I grew up with what I think is a positive money narrative, even though I always thought that it was, I as an adult, I thought that I would have some not so positive money narratives because of my relationship with money is currently in a state of change right now. Mm-hmm. And I think what I found curious was that what I think 
was negative about my relationship with money is actually not about money, but rather about my ability to earn. And so your value as a human being, how much you can earn is separate from how you think about money was something that was interesting to me. And I think statements that came up for me was, you know, my mom always told me like, oh, if you do what you love, if you do the right thing, money will come. But similarly, I think what was interesting was that so when I was young, I worked. So I was like a child TV host for a show. And the reason why I worked was because I really wanted an Ibo. So then, yeah, so, so my first understanding of money was just like, you know, I always re- like valued things in terms of how many eyeballs can I buy or how many comic books I can buy. So everything was measured in terms of that's like, oh, this cup of coffee is like half a comic book, right? A car is, a down payment for a car is how many eyeballs. Yeah, yeah, it, it starts from from there. And I think but that was an interesting part about money, I think for me was that I don't get to keep it. Not so much control, I think, compared to Andrew, but it was rather that my mom often forgot to give me pocket money. So it was very sort of like, money is very disconnected from me. I will receive it. Someone else gives it to me. I spend it. And then the next time when I need it, it will probably come along at some point. So there's no, in my relationship with money growing up, there's no growing money, saving money. It's always like a very transient thing. But I also don't have to worry about it so i just feel very disconnected uh from money so yeah that's gonna get very long so i'm just gonna put the money back now thank you Ree. so i now i understand why we do it in a group i feel so much better now to hear someone else sharing right that makes sense for me and and as you hear someone sharing you have i have my own thoughts that i can react to and it it goes on and on that that's whole process right 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 so the circle we mm. call affectionately the honesty circle. Honesty circle. <laughs> <Yes>. Nice name. <laughs> Very apt. Yeah. yeah. And and I think like with we when you were sharing about how, you know, money changes and the seasons of money changes over time. Mm. I've now done this like honesty circle exercise almost like five, six, almost ten times. And each time I do it, I mm. realize that the experience is so different. For it, yourself, you mean? Absolutely. Okay. It uncovers new truths or the unconscious things that I've never thought that I would confront. And each time something new gets revealed. And so I realized that this, this journey of money narrative is really a work in progress. It's like we've never arrived, but we are continually like growing and learning and uncovering. Yeah, different right. seasons of our lives. Yeah, you explain seasons. And that's the good news with money, right? We may grow up in a very different environment. Like for me, you know, one of the things I learned in my own childhood was that money was sometimes scarce. You know, like for me, I had to share a lot of things at home with my siblings. And so for me, when I was growing up, the script or the narrative that I had was like, money is scarce and money is security. Mm -hmm. And I realized through the years that, you know, those narratives, as Jerry was saying, that it can be reframed and changed. And that's where new narratives come in. And that's where I realized that, hey, you know, I went from money is scarcity, money security to money is a tool. Mm -hmm. But then somewhat positive, but at the same time, it's kind of like, okay, then... Money is a tool for what? For what purpose? Because you can just accumulate money as a tool. And in the last few, you know, like money narrative experiences, I realized that it actually, uh, for me, uh, money is a tool for a flourishing life. And it made me begin to define in this new narrative, like what flourishing life really means for me. And suddenly money had purpose. This resource that we know as money has energy and it has a very clear direction and it changes over the seasons. Mm. Seasons is a way of like looking at how it changes over time. Certainly. And right. it's not cast in stone, right? Because mm. we may grow up like where money is very scarce, but as we grow up to have healthy narratives, we've been, we build new habits, we form new relationships with money, and we get better 
at being good stewards of money also. Okay, okay. So where am I at now in terms of well, my season? <laughs> right, it's, I, I feel a disconnect because reuse the word and I, I, I'm feeling that as well. Like I, have a, I don't know how to define it or describe it. I have yeah. a very loose relationship with money right now. Like in the sense that I feel a certain lack or a certain sense of, uh, what do you call it? Um, detachment. Detachment to it. Mm-hmm. Detachment from it. So much so that I could possibly lose like a sum of money mm-hmm. and I don't feel anything. And in a way, that's not good. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's fine, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure where is that, you know, in regards to my whole narrative from young yeah. to now, yeah. And see, I think like when I listen to you with we, ourselves and each other's stories, one of the fundamental things about money narratives is naming it. Mm, okay. Because what they say is that what you bring to light will not have a foothold over you. And when we begin to name some of these experiences we have today, it gives us new opportunities to form new scripts. So for example, you know, like in, in a case, you know, where a family may have grown up where money is very painful, money may be seen as this script that money is a source of all evil, money is a source of all conflict, money is the root of everything that is bad. I read that in books too, but I never related to that. You know what I mean? Like, like, yes. Nobody said that to me or never felt that growing up. But yes. okay, maybe some people... For some, but for some, some of us, it are, might be very yeah. real. But then again, then we can begin to have new narratives to say, okay, you know, if money is a tool for me to be unstuck, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what would the unstuck begin to look like for okay. me? And I think it's staying in the present and maybe doing a bit of like dreaming also. Mm-hmm. How does, when you say the word dreaming, I, I am, yeah. but either you mean a specific process, yeah. right? So, so one thing that we do is that we get our clients, mm. our users to experiment with new narratives. Mm. So there's actually a list of new narratives that you may pick from that you may resonate with. And what is resonating for me may be very different from someone else. Okay. So it's actually beginning to experiment with the new narratives. If you say, okay, money is a tool for a purposeful life, right? Then how do we define that purposefulness for ourselves? Right. And okay. your purposefulness will be very, very different from like Jerry's or mine. But that helps us to just, you know, break through a little bit to begin practicing some of these new narratives in our lives. Mm-hmm. And also to challenge the beliefs that we had with money before. Why is it that we feel that, you know, money has been a cause of being stuck for us? What were some of those early memories that we can go back to to reframe? Okay. Because I may perhaps may no longer be a child today, but I may be an adult. And if I'm an adult today, you know, what are some of the new habits or strategies around emotions, around my beliefs that I can begin to reframe and switch? You mentioned you have like a list of new narratives that we could possibly pick up, right? So which works better? Do you use the dreaming process to help the participants get to their own new narrative or it's is it better to just pick from an existing list? How does yes. it work? Yeah. I mean, we encourage mm. you know the participants to choose from something that resonates with them. Right. But if they don't, then they can find their own. Mm. You mm. know, they can discover what makes sense. You know, for them. Okay, so I mean, there is money's tool for living a purposeful life. Are, are there other examples? Money yeah. is for the planet, people, and self. Okay. Money can be used as a tool to invest in others. Mm. Uh, money can enable dreams. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
I see. What was your favourite, Cherry? Wow, so many. I'm stumped suddenly. I was just thinking about something he said. But yes, money is a consequence of value creation. Yeah. Okay, okay. So there'll be some statements that stand out to you more than others. Yes, but yeah. I, I create my own. Mm. Yeah, I would think about my life now. Right. And like, yeah, I have two small kids. <laughs> right. Yeah, so okay. money, you know, not mine anymore. so it's really going to be about the family and and the needs of the family so my money narrative now uh, has changed a lot from like the last season of my life where you know we're just a couple and it's just us yeah so for example so money is for others or money is for the family money is a is um a tool to bring people together so that's like one of our family um narratives around money Okay, so what is the the process like for your clients who went from a limiting belief to something more empowering? Yeah, so one example will be a very dear friend who actually came for Honesty Circle. Mm. And there was almost like two sessions of Honesty Circle and going through an experience of like her old narrative and then her new narrative. And for her, money was something very painful. So as a single mom, living in the experience where money was very tumultuous in her family before, you know, having to take care of her now grown son was something that was very challenging. So mom and son were actually often like fighting, you know, and perhaps also at some times, you know, having conversations that were very difficult around money. So subsequently after Honesty Circle, what happened was that they ended up doing wealth being. So it's actually a session where they sit together with a counsellor, a wealth being coach to actually dialogue about their own experiences and how they would like to reframe and change, you know, some of these painful experiences around money, those traumatic experiences around money into something that was actually a bit more liberating. So actually what happened as a result of that was uh, her son actually decided that for boundaries and health and well-being, the son actually moved out. Mm. And that also gave her an opportunity to have a new set of boundaries and relationship with her son when it came to money, decision-making and autonomy. And so today, you know, she, after going through wealth being also, was able to relate more with her own personal experiences that money can now also be a tool that enables her to talk about it in a way that is friendly, that is okay, that can enable my dreams. So that was one thing that happened for one of our clients. So mom and son mm-hmm. actually went through their journey to begin to rethink their relationship with money. I want to ask the next question because I personally am interested, but because I've like attended workshops, not specifically money related, but coaching, you know, things about finding out more about yourself. And I've heard of um, money related workshops all all around the world. Uh, I shall not name them because (laughs) they will distract from the discussion, right? But, you know, like, so what is your school of thought or the disciplines like how would you describe your style to okay just to give an example i've heard of stories whereby they attend workshops and then the workshops made them cry you know go deeper to yourself and oh money is the root of all evil and then they cry and then they journal and then they they talk it out and so how does it work for play mula i can start and you know jerry feel free to chime in as Mm. well I would say that at the very core of what we do, it's really about this aspect of what we call financial emotional resilience, right? So it's also acknowledging where our emotions are at because money is sometimes so intertwined with the way we feel, the way we behave, the way we act as well. And so when we begin to name some of our emotions, you know, like I feel guilty when I spend money, 
I feel ashamed, you know, that I don't have a lot of money, you know. So these are some of the emotions that when we begin to name, right, they really, like I said, they don't have a foothold over us. And we begin to do the inner work. And so a lot of the work that we do, we like to say is that, you know, hopefully it's a lot, it leads to transformation. It leads to a personal discovery and a personal awareness and a personal reflection of, you know, what has been, what is, and what can be in the future. So for us at Playmola, it's always about, you know, today it may look one way, but tomorrow I can transform and change and I can take the steps to lead me to the flourishing life that I envisage for myself, my family, you know, my community. So to describe the actual happening at the workshop will be just as you've mentioned, the once we excavate some truth, it can be quite surprising, sometimes funny, sometimes really painful. Um, then we will rest for a couple of days mm-hmm. and then come back and ask ourselves, okay, what do we want to design for our life goals at this time? Mm-hmm. And the designing process um, means that we have to develop some actionables for ourselves. Then we take a break for a couple of days and ask yourself, okay, so all these new actionables with your money behavior and your money decisions, are they working? What is it is not working for you? And so there will be a period of chaos after the new design has come up right, and the new choices. Going from your old life to your new yes. life. Usually that part is very yes. shaky. Yes. Is and it for we might partners? not cross it. Right, okay. We All might right. say, go back to comfort zone. And well, what's scary is that your people around you might be pulling you back to your yes, old self, right? Because exactly. they're recreating themselves. Mm-hmm. How, how does that work for... So it's wonderful that we talk about this because then community is everything. And those that were together in the same circle or that same group discussion, you journey together, you talk about your struggles and listening to one another can give you the encouragement to move on to the next phase mm-hmm. and give ourselves the milestones and be very gentle and take it one behavior at a time. Yes, because I mean, there's certain things that we yeah. love spending on and that will always break the budget. Okay. But that's something we love. And so then we can talk about it and say, yeah, okay, I'm going to spend on this. So let's look at the things I, I, I'm not going to spend on and then start talking about trade-offs or, or something. So we try to take a very positive approach and a gentle approach to the change because money is so, yeah. um, it's a part of everyday decisions and it can bring so much stress to you. Someone was sharing recently that she has stress every time she has to purchase something. I mean, even I think she described like the first tap of the EasyLink card, how much is it left? And then how much am I allowed to spend on breakfast, lunch, dinner? So too many thoughts come up and too many paralyzing Mm. thoughts come up every time she has to make a purchase. So what would be her first move really? Yeah, so maybe detachment, which you feel maybe is not working for you would be best for her at this moment. Yeah. <laughs> so the sharing is very important. You know, everything yeah. they are saying is so triggering to me. <laughs> in, in, a, in a good way, triggering in a sense that like I, I can re- react to every statement they've just made. Okay. Tapping on the easily card, the scarcity, you mentioned scarcity as yeah. well. So I like the feeling of abundance, but sometimes, like I mentioned, I feel that I'm too loose with money in a sense mm. that I don't care. Mm. So that's the detachment part. Yes. And okay. so, for example, easily, right? Yeah, when you see it dwindling, you feel scarcity, you feel scared that it's going to run out, depleting. But... 
I like the feeling of abundance. So now I switch to using credit card so you don't see it depleting anymore. <laughs> but now you don't know how much you're spending. Yeah, so, so there's, there's all these things that, yeah, that is yeah, going yeah. on in your life, right? Yes. And yeah. you mentioned an example of someone who overspends. So if someone's narrative is that you overspend to make yourself feel better, to soothe yourself, and yes. then if you want to, and it's not working out for you because you are really overspending, yeah. and you want to switch it to a new identity, yes. that is... You know, shedding your old skin. Yes. That, that can be yes. quite scary, right? Yes. And people. like you said, if the spending is a very social spending. Mm. Oh, yeah. How do you know? <laughs> that's kind of challenging. It, yeah, yes. if relationships and friends are important to you. Yes. Then that's... Yes. Yeah. Like, why aren't you yes. hanging out with us? Yes. <laughs> Let's yes. grab another beer. Let's you know? go. Yeah, that's right. And it's another so, $20 now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and you stay later and then you have to pay your midnight charge. <laughs> yeah, taxis. <laughs> cut, cut that out because that's my age. Revealing my age. No more like midnight fare. <laughs> okay. Okay, okay. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So absolutely. So that's challenging. So mm. when you get an opportunity and a time and place to talk about it, mm-hmm. realizing what is holding you back and then increasing the good things before you really let go of the hard things. I think sometimes we always approach like change with I'm going to go cold turkey. I'm going to cut things off. I'm going to stop my budget. I'm just going to... Sometimes that is actually making it very painful. So what is the nicest way that you can make the change transit for us? I mean, transit into change for us. I mean, there's different groups, for example, Alcoholics Anonymous or people (laughs) who want to quit smoking. They go through a certain process. But because these are obvious things that people want to quit. Or yes, want yes. to you know remove from their life, and then they take on this journey to you know remove these habits. But mm-hmm. money is just so it's not like it's part of what we talk about, right? In terms of developing new habits for yeah, it. Yeah, the it habits, seems. the habits are so real, and that's exactly what you're talking about. And your detachment, for example, mm-hmm. um, we we encourage that a lot. Okay, as um, one habit to form, mm-hmm. and one um, mental model to use. So you were saying that you feel detachment, like you don't want to have anything to do with it or something. But actually, maybe you're not really very detached yeah, because definitely. you are worried about your detachment. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not detached from being detached. So maybe it's not detachment. Maybe we're using the wrong word. Maybe yeah. it's more of like you are avoiding That's possible. the money. Mm-hmm. So can I just ask you a question? Do you know how much cash you have on you right now? That's difficult because now we are going to cashless. Yes, but do, do you know? <laughs> but I, I do. Okay. I, I do. I, yeah. I'm in the ballpark of it. Ballpark. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I do know how much. My, my detachment is not... I do track my finances. Okay, yes, I mean, yes. I'm hosting a finance podcast after all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pick up some good habits from my, from my guests. Yes. But my detachment is in the form of... Uh, I think it's a response to to me being stuck and I okay. want to get claw back my freedom in a, in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah, so that feels more of that than not caring. Okay, so it's not avoidance. Not avoiding, yeah. But yeah, so maybe you want to investigate. Because sometimes detachment will give give you a freedom, like you don't worry. Mm. And maybe the worry is about something else. Detachment is a response to something. Yes, yes, yes. I see. Maybe turn my head away from it or something like Mm. that. But I get what you mean about not um, avoiding avoiding it and not confronting it. Yeah, because some people will say, I I never know what's in my bank account. Mm. I never know what's in my wallet because I'd rather not deal with it. Right, right. The moment I think about money, it gives me a lot of stress and it makes me very unhappy. So I I don't want to think about it at all. And that's the kind of Avoidance that's not healthy. Okay. So okay. need to think about it, share about it, reframe it a little bit so that your money can work for you. Mm. Yeah. I think
think my my way of making it more empowering is that I want to get to the level that I don't, I can don't care about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of like not caring about it, but not having enough. Yeah, yeah, the right. freedom. Okay. Yeah. So what I'm hearing, of course, words are limited in describing the experience. What I'm hearing is that it's very experiential. You have activities for your clients, or students yes. to do. There's a group work. There's the honesty circle and you'll take breaks in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is what I yes. imagine it to be. Yes, Anything yes. else about the, the courses that you run? Like, What is it about? Uh, I think another big part of it is the well-being. Mm. So the yeah, well-being that. coaching. Right. So it's really for us to work through some of the money traumas or the mm. money challenges that we have. And if we want to work through it with a coach, you know, that's a safe space that we can do that as well. Okay, could you give us an example of a money trauma? Because trauma will be something deeper. Wow. Perhaps... I can share a story. Um, it would be like how at home, between the parents, the mom and dad, mom earns more than dad. So mom told daughter, never bring this up because it's very um, bad for dad mm. that you are that that I'm earning more than him. So as a girl, you cannot earn more than your husband. So or if you do, you have to keep it a secret. And uh, keep it aside because it's very bad for his ego and he will not feel equal to you or so on. So this is um, prehistoric, right? But in her life today, um, she finds it limiting, but very subconsciously. So she worked in a job where it's just about equal to her husband, not really very brave about venturing forward or going uh, into into a bigger space or earn more because you'd like to keep it equal between the two of them, for example. Mm-hmm. This has given her a very limiting narrative, not only to their bank account, but <laughs> to her life. Yeah, yeah. And the shame around money, shame around earning, is, is, is a different... Um, she has shame around money. Yeah. It's yes. not being celebrated. Yes, it's not being celebrated. Yeah. And it does, there's no, the money doesn't have a positive value. Okay. Yes. The, the more she earns, the more either shameful or guilty yes. or the more covert she has to be. To yes. Keep it and that kind of secrecy between the two partners in the same household, this is a common problem, right? I mean, maybe not secrecy, but how can two people, husband and wife or partners, have very open, honest conversations is, is a tricky thing. And uh, people say, we never talk about it because yeah. all of us have our own narratives and until we understand that two narratives now live under the same roof, <laughs> we have to the, figure that out. That's the hard part. Okay, so I'll just um, finish out on trauma and na- yeah. narratives, is right? Is that traumatic so- enough? There's more traumatic stuff. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> okay, do a Ask Geraldine session. <laughs> like one hour of <laughs> stories. Traumatic stories. Yeah, 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 yeah listen yeah. to it. The confessions. Get- confessions, oh my gosh, yeah. yeah get catharsis from it. <laughs> or, or lose hope. Yeah, we should do a series actually. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so well, narratives uh, are stories in our life, but trauma will be something deeper, and therefore, you mentioned wealth, wealth being, well yeah. being, and therefore, a coach will work with you directly yes. to really go to the, the root yeah. cause of it, to the source yeah, of it. Right? It's very subconscious. Mm, mm, mm. But you brought up a couple example. Mm. So, you see, uh, doing this activity with myself, right? Yeah. Talking about money to myself is already so hard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How do I talk True about that. it with yes. a family member? That. Parents, siblings, your other half, children. Yeah. How does that mm. work? Yeah. yeah, I mean, 
I think like, you know, one of the key things around this is I remember coming out of one of the honesty circles and we had a husband and wife. And one of the insights I've heard from them was that we, husband and wife, need a common money narrative. I was like, boom. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's so profound because <laughs> she was absolutely right that both of us would come into the marriage with such different histories, upbringing, habits, and really just the way we make decisions around money. And so I realized that what it required us to do, which is what me and my husband now have learned to do, we actually have this thing called build the house day. So we actually sit down on like Saturday or Sunday afternoons for like almost like two hours at a time. And we actually dialogue, right? We actually talk about, okay, so what one thing that in families that we do is, you know, what's your money story? Because what I experience is so different from my own experience than yours. And I need to hear you and understand what is your story before I can actually judge you or be critical or overly critical of your habits. So I realized the common understanding of each other's history is important. That's one. And then the second thing is, you know, asking ourselves, like we do a bit of dreaming also, right? Like what narratives resonate with you? And as husband and wife or as spouses and partners, you know, what resonates with you as a flourishing life? Because your dreams may be very different from mine. And I think like, you know, it's so powerful like what Jerry shared earlier with that story because it's like sometimes money can be almost used as a weapon, right? To keep the peace. But that's like being able to name it and also say, okay, this is what's really happening beneath the surface can actually help us to work through, you know, and to heal together. Because money is painful, right? It's not always like easy to deal with it. And I think with children, on the other hand, this is where we are very mindful with our language and words. Because whenever we, we talk about money at home, you know, like, ah, yeah, not enough money, you know, I will never be rich, you know, I will always struggle with money. You know, the children hear this. And so for us, when we, when we talk to parents, when we work with children, we always tell them, okay, you know, money is a tool, right? But they start from a place that money is savings, earning, spending, giving and investing. And we go further, even with investing, it's not just investing your money in the stock market, but you can invest your time, your energy and your talent. So it broadens that conversation that, you know, money is really just a resource, right? Money is a tool that helps us to understand the way we make decisions. And even with kids, right? When we think about savings, when you're saving money, you're conserving. So the Virtues Project is a very big thing that we do in, in Play Moolah for kids and families. You're conserving electricity too, it's not just money, right? So it's bringing that practice of virtues into the conversation. And you know what? Adults can use it too. <laughs> we realize, <laughs> not just yes. kids. Yeah, because, I mean, your company is Play Moolah. So, I mean, and you have all this for kids, right? I mean, I was like, wow, you're teaching kids about, you know, saving, investing and so many concepts. But it's really good to, to start from young. But we, we started all doing the honesty circle and it's really for adults as well. So it's not just Play Moolah and it sounds, it's for kids, but actually... Uh, the adults need it. Yeah. <laughs> we need it because yes. we don't have it as kids. Yes. yes. You mentioned naming being very important and you gave a few examples. Could you help us to understand it a bit more? What have you helped to name or what have the clients named for themselves in terms of their stories? That's a very profound question. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so she mentioned something very powerful that uh, money can be a weapon. Maybe you can and talk more do, about will that. You, will you name it as, I don't know, blackmailing, gaslighting? I mean, there's such terms that you can use nowadays. Yeah, you know, like, mm. so naming, for instance, there's a whole list. So one of the publications that we wrote, right, money can be guilt, money can be pride, mm. money can be because of jealousy, 
Money can be insecurity. So there's a list of these emotions. And see, the thing sometimes with emotions is that there's also positive emotions and also challenging emotions, right? But the thing is that what we learn with naming is that actually the emotions are not bad, not good, right? But they actually give us a clue as to what is going on in our inner world. And so when you're able to then begin to name it, you can then begin to be curious and not judgmental about it. Mm. And that curiosity brings us down a path of really for us at the heart of it, it's decision-making, discernment, but more important, it's about healing. Okay. We'll be able to heal, you know, the painful experiences we have. Or maybe sometimes, maybe not so painful with money, like in, in your example, you know, but it's to have a more empowering relationship to money have a more enabling relationship to money. And I found that, you know, one of the greatest possibilities is time. Because sometimes the binaries are so entrenched, the emotions are so entrenched for so many years that when we bring it to the surface, it's almost like a root shock. But time will actually allow us to work through it gently, you know, as Jerry was saying, and to slowly heal and to reform, right? And to experience it differently. Yeah, and so the naming process is actually very individual. It is, and it's unique. You know, what it's naming for you and your emotion will be very different from mine. Yeah, you will give it a different name that resonates with you and I will give a different name. Absolutely. Okay. So, Play Mula has a few programs. You mentioned Honesty Circle, Wealth Being. Any other new programs coming out, new initiatives? Yes. Yeah, so, one of the exciting initiatives that's happening is a partnership that we're doing with NUS, with the Centre of Future Ready Graduates. And this is launching a financial well-being introduction module to equip our young people to make good decisions around money, um, to learn the practical aspects around money, but more importantly, to also master their emotions and their mental models and habits so that they can live a more flourishing life and, you know, make good decisions as stewards. Mm, so you have interacted with some of these students? Yes, we have. What are some narratives that you see from them because well, we all have the idea that oh young people are investing in crypto and with all these new apps that are making it easy for them to invest they don't know what they're doing with their money do you think that's true? Yes I think that there is a general sentiment you know sometimes with our young people to want to get rich fast, fast. you know so it's a very real thing um, but at the same time you know with the crypto crash recently we've also seen a lot of losses. And I think that has also made our young people sit up to rethink, you know, what actually went wrong in those process. And you know, some of our other young people, they tell us that after doing the course, they also feel like money is not just money, but it's about life. Mm. It actually made them think about their life. And for me, that's like, wow. I think that we have done a little bit of good in that process. There's <laughs> hope in our future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I think money can be um, the deciding factor for what they want to do in their lives, the careers they want to choose. So that gives them an opportunity to take a step back and rethink that. So that is very exciting, for me at least. Yes. Stay tuned all the way after these quick notes for our personal money question segment. Before that, I hope you've learned something useful today. Join our Telegram group, follow us on our socials and check out thefinancialcoconut.com. So... Audrey, Geraldine, what has been your best and worst investment so far? It doesn't have to be a financial investment. It can be time, your effort, attention. I would probably start with the worst first. Okay. It's um listening to my friend and um, buying this thing called land banking. <laughs> I don't know if anyone has heard, but <laughs> essentially you have parcels of land that you buy. And I bought it actually as a young person post-graduation. And I think one of the lessons I learned here was really not doing my own homework and due diligence. You know, because the investment was actually illiquid. 
you can't actually like exit it or like liquidate it, you know? So that was one of the painful ones. Um, I guess the best for me, and I would caveat, is uh, in crypto. And um, so I had the opportunity to learn about the technology in 2013. Mm. And at that time, there was no money to be made, guys, because nobody was buying Bitcoin, right? But it was really out of sheer curiosity to learn about the technology. And I, I, saw, I think that's one of the better investments to date. But at the same time, at that time, I would say, you know, it's really about learning about the technology. It's not so much about like getting rich or like, you know, mm. yeah. Do you see a connection between your personal money narrative and you investing into crypto in 2013? Ah, that's a great question. What was your money narrative back then? I mean, 2030, not everyone is into crypto <laughs> yet. Yeah. Yeah. Tough times, guess, tough times. Yeah. I guess perhaps one of the values I take in life is curiosity. Mm. You know, just being curious to put my money and there's a small portion of my my allocation, right? My portfolio. It was like less than 5% at that time. And so as a young person, it was the idea of understanding what the technology is and what the technology could do as opposed to going in to try and make money. And I think that's the thing with investing in equities, for instance, is that you go in because you try to understand the businesses that you genuinely care about, that you genuinely believe, mm -hmm. and therefore you take time, interest, and curiosity to learn about it. Okay, All right. Geraldine, best and worst investment? Oh, I, I don't know really how to answer that question. Um, I guess it's always been my house, um, Best or worst? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, it could ways. be both. It could yeah, be both. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to, yeah. Depending I on so. when I ask you. <laughs> yes, that's right. We went the season, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, but I think it, the impact on my life, right? Oh. The, invest, the investment of the, the home. There is a lot of, of the earnings that have to go into it. But um, having that home and that space and um, the freedom and the location and... <laughs> The amenities, okay, let's not go on. But the home, then later on our home grew and the children came. And so I think it, it, as time passes, it keeps on increasing in value for our lives and the lives that we intend to have, uh, even though maybe <laughs> monetarily it might be decreasing in value. Mm. Yeah, who knows? Yes. Yeah, Our questions yeah. are also meant to be more open-ended. Like, yeah, just react so however is, you want to it. <laughs> yeah, so when you just asked me that, it was just suddenly because the house is like complex. Yes, yes, yes. Best and worst. So yes. the second question is something that you spend that is under $100 that has been a game changer for you. For me, it was a... <laughs> Strangely, I walked into this Kiki bookstore, you know, the yes. gift store. Very nice. I found this $25 10-year goal planning book. Yeah, it was one of the best things Ooh. I have found because it takes you through a 10-year visualization of your goals. And um, for me, the reason why I love it is because there's this saying, right? Write it down and make it happen. Because mm. what you write and you put and you visualize has a higher chance of ha actually happening. So that's that's for me. Uh, I like to carry a lot of stuff in my bag. And so when I bought the internal bag organizer, ladies will know about this, it totally changed my life. I can find my things and I don't have to like dig into my bag. Uh, especially if I want to change handbag, this is like the best thing <laughs> I'll ever. just take the whole thing. Just take the whole internal um, bag and then put it into your next bag. That's new for me because I'm always carrying a backpack and yes, it yes. really has multiple and swimming is Yes, like yeah. multiple bags, right? So I had multiple bags, but then I think I this one organizer with many, many, many smaller pockets, big pockets, small pockets. Yeah, 
organize my life and now I can find my keys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what has been a place that you learn from that you think is underrated and you could recommend to our listeners? Yes. A book, a website, anything actually. Yes. For me, I would say it's this book by Morgan Housel called The Psychology of Money. And uh, why I say it's underrated oftentimes, and he, he puts in his book very well. He says, you know, a lot of times people learn about how to deal with money in terms of like the technical aspects, how to use money, how to make money. Mm. But a lot of times, you know, we don't take care of the what goes on in our head when we think about money. Mm. So I really highly recommend his book. And he writes also on Collaborative Fund. I follow him on Twitter and I find that, you know, his book is such a refreshing change of what we as people need to learn to master our emotions, to master the way we think and our habits and our mental models around money. Mm. I just want to slip in this book for a discussion. Have you heard of The Energy of Money too? I have not heard the mm. book, but I've heard people talk about The Energy of fine. Money. The, the book is like a like a workbook in the sense that they give you some prompting questions and some exercises to do as well. So I just want to about it. The, the Energy of Money, A Spiritual Guide to Financial and Personal Fulfillments by Mariah Nemeth. Not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, but yeah. Yeah, you can check it out. Yes, we'll check it out. I saw it. I saw it on the bookstore. Yeah, no, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. All right, yourself, Geraldine. Oh, <laughs> then that's okay. All right, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Audrey. Thank you, Geraldine. Thank you. Thank you. Guys. 